Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. This is a time to love on us, but I think in order to love on us and support us, we have to love ourselves. Because if you don't love yourself and if you don't love who you are, it's going to be that much harder to love the sister that looks just like you, the brother that looks just like you, right? And it's going to be part of our work as a community. So I think this is the ideal time to go within, to understand what are the things that I'm struggling with. Because I think that as we become our best selves, that'll allow us to become better for our community. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or even a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or if you feel comforted throughout the episode, lady, please leave us a review and tell us what we're doing right so we can stay on track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit herspacepodcast.com and enter your email address to get updates about our live events and all of the new beginnings that we have for this year. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Her Space Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Our quote of the day comes to us from Ms. Rachel Cargill. Revolutions are the responses of people in distress. Revolutions are the responses of people in distress. Lady, we are in distress. The black community is in distress. Today's episode is definitely going to be a heavy one. And so before we dive into our conversation, as you're listening to us right now in this moment, I want you to stop what you're doing and take a big, deep breath in. And hold it for the count of one, two, three, four, five. And now release it on the count of one, two, three, four, five. And as you're listening throughout this episode, make sure that you pause as much as you need to and check in on your breath. And if you need to take deep breaths, please do so. All right, T, are we ready to dive in? I think we are, Dom. I think we are. This is definitely a heavy topic. And I feel like one of the first sort of questions we should ask ourselves right now is just how do we feel? You know, we posted about this on social media and got a lot of feedback, but I just kind of wanted to start this conversation with, you know, Don, when I think about my role and when I think about how I feel about everything going on, I want to be super transparent in saying that I never saw myself as an advocate, right? I never saw myself as an activist or a person that is doing the work that I feel like we've sort of been thrust in this world to do based on the current state. But I feel that, you know, 
We were born with this beautiful melanated skin. And I feel that I have an obligation to do what's right for my community. And I guess the most important thing is to make sure that I'm taking care of self first. But when I think about how I feel, I think that's the initial feeling. I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, I literally, when I think about living my best life, it didn't involve dealing with this racism that's going on. It didn't involve dealing with this trauma, this racial trauma. And, you know, I was thinking about last week was a hard week for me. Last week was a hard week for me when it comes to my business. I couldn't send out any emails. I couldn't post anything about that. It just didn't feel right. And there was so much going on internally that I just felt too overwhelmed, too exhausted. And it's just a lot, Dom. It truly is a lot. And I want to acknowledge that all of our feelings, no matter what they are, are valid. And, you know, as you're saying, oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. That's normal. If someone is listening and they're saying, well, I'm feeling numb or helpless or hopeless or angry or enraged or deeply saddened. No matter what the feelings are, they are all valid. And personally, I, over the last couple of weeks, when someone asks me how I'm feeling, one of the things that I have been responding to people with is starting off by saying, in this moment. By doing so, I want to acknowledge that my feelings have been up and down throughout this time. And depending on that particular moment in which I'm engaging, that will that determines how I'm feeling. And in this moment right now, with us recording what feels like a really necessary and important episode, I have mixed emotions. So I have feelings of empowerment because I'm doing my work right now, right? Us engaging in this dialogue, this is my work. This is what I live for. This is what I'm passionate about. Finding ways for us to kind of have the difficult conversations to lead to healing. So I'm feeling empowered about that, but because it's a difficult topic for us to address, it's a heavy topic, I'm also feeling a little bit of anxiety, which I think is normal when you're diving into something really heavy. Like there's like a little bit of anxiousness of what emotions are going to come up as we dive into this conversation. And so for me, I want to be able to lean into both of those emotions. And so using that feeling of empowerment to encourage me to continue in this conversation, despite any like anxiety that I might be feeling about diving into something so heavy. That's a good point, Don. I'm glad that you share that as well, because I think a lot of people can resonate with the anxiety, you know? There are so many different things that we do every day that Black people have been harmed and killed doing. And so that is enough to give someone anxiety. I think about the nerves. My stomach has kind of been in knots throughout the week, and it's been kind of difficult to just, you know, eat and really focus. You know, I've kind of been going through this battle of like, okay, I got to stay off social media and take a break, but then I want to log on to see if I missed anything or if there's something new that I need to know about. And so I'm definitely with you there. And I think the sad part about this is for us, many of these feelings are not unfamiliar. We've had to unfortunately deal with these feelings. And some of us have numbed ourselves because of the constant ways in which Black people are treated in this country. Right. And I think we often feel this way when police officers and suspected white supremacists and white supremacists kill our people. And it makes me think about Philando Castile and Sandra Bland and Eric Garner and Tamir Rice and Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, right? Michael Brown, so many names. And the list goes on and on. And we can literally list our people 
for an entire episode, Dom. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know? What we are experiencing is racial trauma. And we are constantly being traumatized from a racial perspective. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. And for those who are unfamiliar with the term racial trauma, racial trauma is that repeated physical and psychological experience of being exposed to racism, being exposed to hatred, discrimination. And the feelings that often arise for us when we experience racial trauma are feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, sadness, fear, anger. But then we also might find ourselves experiencing some confusion, maybe even some guilt. We may notice that we Terry, like you mentioned, like that tightness and that tension, right? So maybe some headaches or body aches, maybe some insomnia. I know that for myself, I've had a couple of nights where it's been kind of difficult to sleep. And I've talked to other folks where they've said like, it's been hard to sleep. And all of those, like just in heightened anxiety, heightened depression, All of those are symptoms of what it means to experience racial trauma. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge that as Black people, and I want to be clear that I'm talking about us as Black folks, that other people of color, other communities of color do experience racial trauma. But right now, our attention is on the racial trauma that is specific to the Black community, it needs to stop. Like, at what point will enough really be enough? Exactly. And I love that distinction because I think that oftentimes, you know, Black people will get lumped into the people of color conversation. And there are times when it is necessary for us as people of color to come together and to use our strength in numbers and to advocate for our rights. But I do think that sometimes it can diminish our movement when we lump us in because what we're experiencing right now, the police brutality, the police murders, the unjust treatment of Black people in this country, it is something that Black people experience at disproportionate rates. And so when we call out Black people specifically, it does not take anything away from the other plights of other communities. It's important for us to make that distinction, though, in this particular instance. And so I want to read off down a few social media posts and tweets that caught my eye where you ever just see a post and you're like, oh, my gosh, they literally just took the words out of my mouth. This was so powerful. And this first one, it says, it always amazes me how y'all can have black significant others, black friends, black family members, love black culture post black rappers, get box braids, want mixed babies, say the N-word, but stay silent when black people are getting killed. If you take offense to this or feel uneasy, good. You shouldn't get to pick and choose when black culture is convenient for you when we don't have that privilege. Black lives matter too. Who girl, right? That right there. Who, you know, honestly, there were a couple of people that I actually thought about that 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 applies to. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important for those people who would see that tweet and take it personal, that that propels them to actually dive deep and in, in, internally to do the work. Because I can't, for the life of me, I don't understand what it means to truly have that privilege of being able to take part and associate with a culture, a people, and then conveniently ignore their existence when. 
shit hits the fan, when things get difficult. Part of my work is to understand people, right? I have to admit that that is one of the areas where I truly struggle with that understanding. I don't understand how one could, quote unquote, show appreciation for and a love for Black people, be married to or have children or say that their closest friends are Black or work closely with Black people or provide services to Black people and smile in our faces, but choose to remain silent during times like this. Yes, I agree with you, Tom. I really, really do. You know, it's about time that other people are speaking up in the way that they are. I don't personally remember a time when the world was advocating for Black people in this way. And enough is enough, you know, and that takes me to Broderick Hunter's tweet. And this says, white people be like, yeah, we keep killing y'all, but please stop resorting to violence to make a point. Enough is enough. I'm like, well, you know, Dom and I talked about this on our Instagram live. And we talked about how we personally, we may not be out, you know, rioting and looting and things like that. However, we understand how people could get to that point. If you keep killing us and people get off or they get a slap on the wrist and it just keeps on happening. You know, first they say, oh, we need body cams. We need video. Then you get video. I mean, the thing is, they kill black children, black you know, people of all ages. I mean, it's just blatant and it's cruel and it's disgusting and it just happens over and over. And people are complaining about Target, you know, being closed down. And it's like, but you didn't say anything about the black people that were being killed. Earlier this week was the 99th anniversary of the Black Wall Street massacre or the Tulsa bombings, right? Where white people came in and destroyed one of the wealthiest black communities in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it's pretty wild that we're at this point in the world right now, 99 years later. I mean, let that sink in. Right? Damn near 100 years later, and we're still dealing with this. Our lives are still in danger. I just have to read this one last tweet because it's so true, but it also tickled me a bit. And before we dive into some of the, you know, the things that we should keep in mind moving forward, so let's see. Her name is Sadie Baby on Twitter. And Sadie Baby says, the reason you don't see cops shutting down KKK rallies is the same reason you don't see Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus sitting in the same room. Girl, girl, I saw that and I lost it. I was like, you're goddamn right. Okay. Yes. You know, yes. back in the day, they said that the KKK infiltrated the police force. Like, come on, y'all. Like, come on now. This is the state of the world. This is where we're at right now. This is where we are at. One of the things that I do want to point out, I want to be clear, is that we're not saying that all white people are bad, even though I would hope that that's understood, right? We're not saying that all cops are bad. And I can particularly speak from that standpoint having a sister and a cousin who are in law enforcement, who are cops. They are Black. We all, I'm sure, know within our six degrees of separation, know a Black cop. And while we know that not all cops are bad, what is happening right now through the hands of cops is part of a larger system issue. And that is what everyone out here protesting, everyone out here writing essays and holding webinars and doing all the things to show their different level of activism. And we'll talk more about what that really looks like a little bit later. But each and every person who is out here speaking up against this is not saying that all cops are bad. What we are trying to communicate is that there is a larger systemic issue that needs to change. Point blank, period. Our 
quote unquote justice system in America is fucked. Our justice system in America needs significant overhaul. Our justice system in America continuously perpetuates racism and white supremacy. And until our overall justice system changes, Black people will continue to experience racial trauma. Things will not change for us until the overall system changes. You better say that, Dom. You better preach, okay? You're preaching. It's a fact. It's the truth. It's a truth that may be uncomfortable for some people, but it is, it is the truth. And the truth will set you free. And this is a time where the things that have happened, I mean, there's a shift taking place. And we are, you know, they always say that the revolution won't be televised. This is the revolution. This is it. And I know it might seem scary. I know for myself, I'm just like, I'm not ready for this. What's going on? Why is this happening? This is it. And I think that there are things that we're going to discuss today that can make that pill a bit easier to swallow. And we want to give you some tips and resources on next steps and where you fit in and what your role might be. I do want to also say, Don, I agree with you as far as what you said about cops and also white people. There are good white people out there. There are good allies. There are people that are doing the work. And I've had some people reach out to me that are putting their money where their mouth is. They are helping to fund the grassroots organizations and organizations that are dedicated to justice for Black people and people of color, right? And so definitely want to put that out there. And before we move into things that we should keep in mind as we move forward, Anything else you want to add there, Tom? One thing I do want to add, I do want to acknowledge that we are in the month of June, which is LGBTQ Pride Month. And so I want to also acknowledge that our LGBTQ Black brothers and sisters and gender nonconforming folks are also experiencing trauma on a different level. And so... I want to make sure that we do take a second to acknowledge that there are so many black trans people that get murdered in this country and not enough attention gets brought to them and their experience. And and so I want us to make sure that as a as a black community, that we are acknowledging all of us that we don't feed into what white supremacy would want, which would be for us to find ways to divide ourselves, that we acknowledge each and every one of us who identifies as Black is being traumatized. And for a lot of us, we are being traumatized on multiple levels, on a daily basis, that our lives as a Black person, our lives are constantly at risk. Amen to that, Dom. We love all of us for real, okay? Yes. And so when it comes to things to keep in mind as we move forward, I think one thing that we need to remember is that the media, which in most cases, mainstream media is the white media. It cannot be trusted. So we can't believe everything that we see. We have to do our own research. We have to be mindful about what we're sharing online because, I mean, Don, we've seen a few stories this week that just make you shake your head in disgust, you know, from the newscaster where, you know, they had a an image of various people looting, right? And there was one particular image where a white woman was looting and she was taking things. I think it may have been a Target or some store. She was taking a bunch of stuff out of the store and the newscaster had the audacity to fix her lips to say something along the lines of, oh, I believe this woman, she could be someone that works at the store that, you know, trying to clean up or something, she said, alluding to the fact that the woman on screen was taking things from the store as a worker of the store, Don. That was ridiculous to me. It's like they will promote the images of Black people that may not necessarily be very flattering, but they won't promote the peaceful images, right? They won't promote the images of white people doing the same thing that Black people do because they have an agenda. And so we have to be mindful about the media. And that agenda is one of maintaining white supremacy, point blank, period. Right. That Mm -hmm. agenda is often about perpetuating negative stereotypes against black folks. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, what they are what they are doing is contributing to the implicit bias that 
other people will take in and will be influenced by in terms of how they engage and see and interact with black folks. Right. So they're looking at that image of this woman, this white woman who's being labeled as, oh, she was an she was an employee. But yet the black person who's doing the engaging in the exact same behavior is being labeled as a thief. So then what happens the next time we walk into Target? As that as a black person, we're going to be followed because the assumption based on what me- is put out in the media, the assumption then is that we are thieves, that we are in there to steal. And so, yes, I, I agree that we do need to be mindful of the media that we are taking in. And we need to be mindful of how much of it we take in. You know, I'm engaged in the discussion with several folks around sharing of videos when black folks are murdered. Personally, I don't watch any of the videos. And if I'm on social media, I try to scroll past those things because I don't want to take that imagery in because that continues to traumatize me. And for me, one of the things that's important in me being in me doing this work is to protect my peace. And so I couldn't even tell you the last time I watched a video of a black person being murdered because I can't like I have to protect my peace. And so I think that for a lot of us, you know, you t- you try to watch the news and they will replay the video over and over and over again. And all that does is re-traumatize us. Re-traumatize, Don, and also desensitize people to Black death. Because I feel like they don't do that same thing when it's white people being killed. They try to protect that video and not show that instance. And I feel like that is what they're trying to do. Terrorize us and also desensitize us to seeing that, which is just devilish. It's despicable. But I would agree with you, Don. I don't watch those videos. You know, I'll see things scroll down. I'll scroll down my timeline and I'll see things show up. And I, I can't. It's not good for my mental health. I know that my mind will replay those images over and over and terrorize me. And knowing me, it'll pop up in my dreams and all that. I can't. I can't do it. So I'm with you there. Totally with you there. I would say that the next thing that we need to be mindful of is that what isn't revealed can't be healed. And I think that in particular, I think that white people need to address and acknowledge their theft their sins, the mental illness that many of them face. And when I say that, I'm referring to white supremacy in particular, but specifically white men, you know, all the things that they've done in this country, they are some of the most dangerous men in this country. When you think about the school shootings, right? When you think about just public shootings in general, whether it's at a concert hall or whatever it might be, they are typically the ones. And you notice how when they do it, the media will you know, bring up the cutest picture of them from back when they were a kid and talk about how sweet they were. But then when black men commit crimes or black people commit crimes, they're thugs. We got to be honest. We have to stop with the lies. We need to acknowledge what's happening here. We need to acknowledge what they've done in the name of eugenics. And of course, this isn't all white people, right? This is the white people that we're referring to, the white supremacists, right? The collaborators. What they've done in the name of eugenics, white supremacy, Planned Parenthood, all that, it needs to be acknowledged. And I think that we, as Black people, need to give ourselves permission to assert a boundary that we are not going to do the work for anyone else. So, lady, as you're listening, you are one of a handful of Black folks in your office. Know that it is not your responsibility to provide the anti-racism workshop, to provide the cultural competence training, to educate the white people and other people in your people of color in your office on all of the trauma that black people have experienced. It is not your responsibility. And if you are taxed with that responsibility, I would hope that you feel safe enough and comfortable enough in your role that you can respectfully decline and make it clear that it is not your responsibility, that you are not to do the emotional heavy lifting 
for anyone in your office but yourself. It's not fair. It's not fair that you do that emotional labor for free. There are people out here who do the work. We've mentioned Rachel Cargill. We've had her on the show. She's doing the work in addition to a lot of other people that we'll add in the show notes. But it's a lot to expect. Just our presence. Is emotional labor enough? Yes. The microaggressions, okay? Like all the stuff we have to deal with being in spaces where we're outnumbered. It's, It's enough. We deal with so much. And just kudos to black people let's just throw that out there real quick like you are so amazing we've been through so much as a people and we continue to thrive to show up we weren't supposed to make it this far they have a system in place that was supposed to prevent us from flourishing we have black millionaires and billionaires and successful people that are doing great things in their community and people that are thriving creatively i mean people who are you know holding amazing positions that our ancestors would have dreamt of doing right like So kudos to us, all right? When you look in the mirror and you look at that beautiful Black face, you should be proud. Even though we have, you know, this Black plight that we experience and all the things that we're struggling with, I'm still so proud to be Black. Definitely. As you were saying that, I was doing my (laughs) Wakanda and my Wakanda greeting. I had my Black power fist in the air. Like I went through all of that (laughs) as you were talking because... We are amazing as a people. They hate us because they can't be us. Amen to that. And that leads us to our next thing. We're not only here to point out what other communities need to do, right? We talked a bit about white supremacy and the white people that mean us no good. But I think another part of this journey as we move into this revolution, Dom, you alluded to this earlier, we got to come together as Black people. We need to address our stuff, the colorism, the homophobia. The things that we let divide us, the self-hate that we were taught through programming with television and media and the experiences that our ancestors had and experiences that we've had. We were taught to hate ourselves. We were taught not to love our kiki hair. And, you know, some of us may have wider noses. We were taught not to like our melanin, our dark skin, our brown skin. Or if you're, you know, a lighter complexion, we were taught not to like that. Maybe you've experienced some type of injustice within the black community, right? We've, we have so much that we need to address within the community, abuse, addictions, molestation, guilt, the lack of patience we have with one another, right? This is a time to love on us. But I think in order to love on us and support us, we have to love ourselves. Because if you don't love yourself, and if you don't love who you are, it's going to be that much harder to love the sister that looks just like you the brother that looks just like you, right? And it's going to be part of our work as a community. So I think this is the ideal time to go within, to understand what are the things that I'm struggling with? Because I think that as we become our best selves, that'll allow us to become better for our community. Yes, I I definitely would agree with that, that we can't show up for anyone else until we have truly shown up for ourselves, right? So. I can be there. I can be in the building, but I'm only going to be functioning at maybe 50%, 25%, 75%. If I haven't truly done the work for myself and if I'm not continuously working on myself, right? And so it's hard work to tap into that internalized racism that Mm -hmm. we may be experiencing, right? Because that's what colorism is. That's internalized racism. We are hating ourselves because of how we've been conditioned and programmed through white supremacy, like you stated. And so once we get into a space where we are really going within, and you can do that through whatever support network works for you, For most of us, that truly means going to therapy. And we have a recent episode with Dr. Rita Walker that talks about building up psychological fortitude. And she has a new book out that we mentioned in in that episode about addressing mental health within the Black community. I highly recommend that book if you are in a space where you're trying to figure out how do I do the work? How do I begin? to go within and address my stuff so that I can show up fully, not just for my community, but to be a better me. Yes. I love that you brought that resource up, Dom. I'm still reading the book and it is a must read for everyone. It really is. 
And I think before we move into, you know, our next steps and the roles that we play, the one thing we do have to remember, it's the sad truth. So get ready for it. It's not necessarily the pretty part of this journey, but everyone can go. Everyone will not get the message. And you have to remember, it takes too much energy to try to pull someone up from the ground when you're standing on the chair. So if you're already in the right place and you're trying to do for our community, everyone's not going to get it. And wasting time trying to prove to someone and teach them and you know beg them to come along, it's just not going to work. Everyone wasn't meant to go, right? That's just not how this works. And so the people that are out there doing the work for our community just kind of go where the energy flows. You can still love them, right? Everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own, I want to say, phases of this consciousness journey and doing the work, right? The journey of doing the work. And so I think it is important to realize that, you know, sometimes you have to leave people be and really just go where the energy is flowing for us. Yes, I think that it's okay for everyone not to come along, right? That we are all in different spaces, like you said, in our journey. And when we think about our racial identity development, where we are in that development depends on our own unique experiences. And so for those of us who are in a space where we're diving in and we're doing the work and we know who we are and we you know, we really are fully aware of who we are and we're proud of who we are. It's okay for us to keep doing that work and not expect those who aren't where we are to come along. Like you said, that is part of what makes us so diverse within our own community. And I know that sometimes that that can truly be infuriating, right? That You are in this space where you feel you have progressed and you look at maybe some of your friends or some of your family or just other people that you know, and you feel like you're trying to impart the knowledge that you've gained with them. And you feel like, okay, well, I've made this progress, so I want to bring my village along with me. Like you said, Terry, sometimes there are journeys that are meant for us to take alone. And that doesn't mean that anyone that gets left is less than. It just means that they are on a different path. There you go. You hit the nail on the head, Don. And I know for me personally, over the weekend, I just, I kept praying. I was like, God, like one, why is this happening? And you know, what a time to be alive, right? To be experiencing this. And when Dom and I were chatting earlier, I remember me telling you, like, mm-hmm. girl, we are someone's ancestors in the future. Like, we are someone's ancestors. And, you know, our grandchildren, if you have, you know, just either great grandchildren or, or great nieces and things like that, people that are coming after you, your descendants, they're going to ask you about these times. This is history right now that's in the making. And so when I think about that, it just made me think, what is my role going to be, you know? What role am I playing today? And so I was just trying to rack my brain on like, okay, you know, as you were saying, Don, we got to fill our cup. I was like, what am I going to tell my people? What am I going to, what am I telling myself? And so I came up with this little framework for us to just figure out options for us on like, okay, how can I contribute? I think the main goal, and I think we may have touched on this either in the live down or earlier today, but like, you got to make sure your cup is full first before you take on any other role. That is the priority. Like you being okay is essential. Did we talk about that already, Dom? We talked about that in the live. Yes. I think I did mention it earlier in this episode, but I can't stress it enough, right? So whether you're hearing it again in this episode or you're you're hearing it from the live, and I know that you've probably heard it in some variation in previous episodes from us about making sure that your cup is overflowing in order to do this work, right? That you know, what you and I, T, what you and I were talking about was as we were identifying what are we going to do as a podcast, right? Like, what is our role to embody the title of this podcast, right? Healing, empowerment, resilience. Before we can even dive into that for the community, we have to make sure that we 
are full, that our cups are overflowing because when you give to someone else, every time you give to someone else, that pulls from your cup. And if your cup is empty, then that means you really have nothing to give. And so before you go into whatever your role may be, Yes, it is important to make sure that your cup truly is overflowing and how your cup can overflow is about self-care and self-care looks different for different people. So for me, self-care this particular week, self-care meant having my own personal therapy session, right? The therapist has a therapist and it also meant spending time with family unplugging from social media, limiting my my news intake, which I'd already been doing because of the pandemic, which we didn't even talk about just the and that could that would be a whole nother episode of us diving into the impact of the pandemic in all of this, right? Like this overarching layer. So yes, just making sure that your cup is overflowing before you can really do the work. Yes, yes. And when we dive into the roles here, it's important to know that everyone's role is going to look different. It could look different. And you may even be taking on multiple roles, right? Depending on where you are in your life. And so when I think about like a mantra for our community or maybe guiding instructions, it's how we fight the black plight, right? And so plight in this sense is an acronym, right? Your role might be being a political worker. And so that might mean you advocating for our community in the political realm. So not just black faces in high places and they don't do anything, but those that are actually doing the work. This is something I've been thinking about lately is, yo, why are we supporting celebrities who don't say shit when we're struggling? Why do we support these businesses that don't even like us? You know, that racist crate. Like it makes me totally question where I purchase products from. It's very difficult, should I say, to, you know, support black a hundred percent. But there are companies like, you know, when you think about things that H&M has been in the news for, you think about Gucci and things like that. It's like, yo, why are we giving them our money when they don't even like us? So that's just a little tangent, but it's something that I thought about, right? Yes, I agree. Just being, yes, being conscious of where you put your dollars. And so we got political workers, right? That's number one. The second would be light workers. Maybe you are all about empowering the community, providing support and encouragement, light, love, emotional support, similar to what we do with the podcast, right? We are light workers. I have not been out protesting and I don't think that's a really good role for me personally at this phase in my life, but there are other ways I'm supporting and being a light worker and providing that inspiration and motivation is important to me. And it's something that is a strength for me. And so that's where we are, right? Then you have the eye for investors and funders. These are people that are in a position to support financially and they support those that are doing the work, whether it's grassroots movements or the policy workers, right? Right. I think that, yeah, those people are necessary. Just like, you know, as you identified like light workers. So our doctors, our nurses, our mental health professionals, like our, you know, certain pastors, certain healers. Like if you are a healer in any way, shape or form, you're a light worker, right? You're pouring energy into folks. That's right. And then when you think about the next role would be a grid protector. It's a network of people that protect the community. And I think one of the learnings from the Black Wall Street massacre is that we didn't have a military base to protect ourselves as a community. When the white people came to the town, it began to wreak havoc on our community. And so I think having protection, that is key. Having people that are protecting us is key. And so next we have the Hawks. And when you think about the hawks, right, these are the people that are tapped into their intuition. They are strategically out in the streets and online advocating for the community with purpose, intention, and strategy. They're not just packing their stuff and doing whatever. They have a game plan in place to help the community. And then I would say the last role are the teachers and researchers, those who are teaching our community about our history, writing books, educating us providing documentaries that uplift the community. And when you think about our education system, white people have been in charge of educating us for so long and they only taught us what they wanted us to know. 
And that's how this system is created, right? They only teach us what they want us to know. I think about siblings telling me how they're, is it, what is it called? The McGraw-Hill books, Tom? Is that the, are those oh, the school that's books? One of, yes, that's one of multiple publishers, but though McGraw-Hill tends to be the most problematic. What? Girl, she said that they were learning about slavery in school and they call them indentured servants. And I said, oh, hell to the all. You're not, they're literally rewriting our history. And so when you think about your role, there are so many different aspects that you can tap into to contribute to the betterment of our society. But again, we said you have to take care of self first and then figure out which role are you going to occupy. And I also want to put out there that, you know, you like as you named all of these different roles, that there may be points as you are taking care of self, that your role might not fit into any one of those categories, that your role may simply be to be still. Right. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you are in your identity development or your racial identity development, you may be in a place where it's not helpful to anyone for you to try and engage in the work because you may be doing more harm than good. And I say that to acknowledge that that's still a role to play, too. Right. That being still, being silent might be more beneficial than engaging in the role when you're not truly ready or capable and you end up causing harm. So to prevent that harm, you stay still and you stay silent and that's okay. I love it, Dom. I love that you made that distinction because it is important to know that sometimes if you know where you are right now in your life, right, you know what's best for you based on where you are in your life. Maybe you're still trying to figure that out, right? So maybe the best way to put it is, you know where you are. And so be honest with yourself based on where you are on how you should move forward. And then as far as next steps, I know there are some folks that just want something actionable that they can do today. We have various next steps that you could literally take today. I think the first, this is one I'm actually going to work on too, Dom, is researching grassroots movements in my area who are actually doing the work for our people and support them. So I'm going to start looking at dedicating a portion of my paycheck to the grassroots, whether it's helping to bail people out who are protesting or whether it's just people who are doing the work as it relates to the injustices that Black people experience. That's something I'm going to do. So that's one. Another, and this is from, these two are from Rachel's public address, which we'll add in the show notes, understanding the value of calling and defunding the police in your area and advocating for redirecting those funds to local and community-led safety resources. Now, I think this one is particularly interesting because if you notice, you know, they've sent out the National Guard and it looks like we are in full-on war right now in our country. But at the same time, during a pandemic, doctors don't have masks and the healthcare workers that need resources to serve the community, they don't have what they need. And so that's something that's important. Like we need to make sure that we're funding the people that are helping our people, right? And not helping to over-militarize the, is that even a word, Dom? Over-militarize? I'm going to check the, the word doctor now. on the line. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Boom. We're making up words right now. Over-militarize the police forces in our community. Yes. And I think that, you know, the other piece, the other tip is about holding organizations and the businesses that we work for or that we that we work for and that we purchase products from accountable right and so you know we don't have to get into the debate of what i've i've seen on social media about a blackout in july right we don't have to get into that whole debate about the merits of doing that but i do think that on a general consistent day-to-day basis it's important for us to be conscious of where we are spending our dollars and holding those people accountable, those businesses accountable for their actions. And in the workplace, you know, inquiring about whether or not your employer is speaking up about what's happening right now. Again, want to emphasize it's not your your responsibility to do the emotional labor for them not to your it's not your responsibility to do the research for them or make the public statements for them but holding them accountable if they aren't then the next tip 
we've talked about this multiple times in the episode. And again, I'm not, I'm going to stress it again. Self care. Make sure that your cup is overflowing. And then our final tip is to do your own research because we know, like we mentioned, that our education system is not going to tell us everything that we need to know because by not doing so, it upholds white supremacy. It keeps the status quo. And so making sure that you are aware of eugenics, looking up Black Wall Street, looking up the Haitian Revolution, reading and reading things like the art of war, being aware of what our black history is, looking up other different movements in this country, looking up the work of the Black Panther Party, looking up the work of the Nation of Islam, looking up information on the civil rights movement, just truly being aware of our history. You have to know where you've been or know where you've come from in order to know where you're going. Hey, lady, it's Terry here from the Herspace podcast, and I have a question for you. Do you want to start your own podcast? Have you been thinking to yourself, you know what? I want to start a podcast, but you just haven't taken the leap. If that's you, I got you. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your own podcast from start to finish. I'll teach you how to format your show and pitch great guests. I'll teach you how to stand out in the crowd of nearly 1 million podcasts, but I'm also going to teach you how to get your mind right, okay? We're going to talk about how to overcome imposter syndrome and how to deal with fear on your podcasting journey. So even if you're not tech savvy, it's okay. This masterclass is just for you. So visit terrylomax.com and click on the pink link in the middle of your screen and register for my free podcasting masterclass. Again, that's terrylomax.com. T-E-R-R-I-L-O-M-A-X.com. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpace Podcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. There's something inside of me that's bigger than any obstacle. We'll see you next week, lady.